This is Turning Left, a NASCAR podcast. Tune in each week for race recaps, race previews, winner predictions, gambling odds, and driver fantasy scores. Buckle up, hold your line, and keep turning left. This is the Turning Left Podcast. My name is Dakota, and I'm joined here by my co-host, Calman. Calman, how you doing? Doing pretty good. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Ready to talk about some new storylines for the NASCAR season uh, and get into Daytona as well. So we got a lot for you here in our first inaugural episode. Uh, the Turning Left Podcast is a NASCAR-focused podcast where we discuss racing. Uh, we're going to be giving you guys some NASCAR news, race predictions, and recaps. Starting off, a uh, lot of, lot of, uh, not your typical off season. A lot of news we have here to cover. It's been a long, been a, it feels like even a longer off season, really, because that COVID shutdown. I feel like kind of bled into the season, and the season restarted so late. Uh, it's not our typical, not our typical NASCAR off season. But I guess we'll jump in with some of the biggest storylines uh, heading in. The first one being the twenty three eleven racing team formed by Michael Jordan and Denny Hamlin, who then signed Bubba Wallace. Um, I didn't know this. Uh, Michael Jordan is a, a big NASCAR fan, apparently. Um, I actually didn't know this until at the Daytona 500 uh, rain delay. They had like, you know, they were showing a bunch of videos and uh, as they usually do to kind of buy time. And it showed him kind of talking about everything. And I guess it makes sense. He grew up in North Carolina, but he was talking about his uh, family taking him to races at like Darlington and Rockingham. So I thought that, I thought that was kind of neat. But uh, he owns now a cup team with Denny Hamlin. Uh, Bubba Wallace is the main driver of the 23 car. Um, the team is aligned with Toyota and is going to be a single car operation this season, but has plans to grow. So I didn't know that about Michael Jordan. I don't know if you did or not. No, the, you know, there's also a fun fact about Michael Jordan. Um, after he tried out baseball, he was very close to actually joining NASCAR. I started reading a little bit about that after because, you know, I've watched the 30 for 30 documentary that they did, The Last Dance, and like I've always followed him. I'm not like a Michael Jordan diehard, but um, I couldn't believe I didn't know that. So I thought that was really neat. I really enjoyed that, uh, the video. Um, I, I would imagine that Fox probably has it somewhere. They played it during the rain delay, but it was really neat. So uh, that'll be something to watch this upcoming season, and it'll be exciting to see what Bubba Wallace can do. Um, yeah, it's just weird having someone like that, I guess, polarizing kind of join NASCAR just so randomly, especially during this time, because, you know, NASCAR seems like it's kind of lost a lot of popularity after, you know, a few, all these years, I guess. So the fact that Michael Jordan joined it, it kind of, you know, has the potential to kind of, you know, infuse some new audiences um, over to NASCAR, just kind of cool. That's a good point, because I saw on Twitter, too, people tuning in. I mean, you usually get the new viewers, Daytona 500, just because even if you don't care about NASCAR, usually you'll watch that race or at least be aware of that race and follow it. Um but yeah, I think that with him, you you would see people that might not even care about NASCAR at all uh, start jumping in and maybe staying with it. Um, I think it's great. And, you know, Michael Jordan, as you know, is a savage competitor. Um, <laughs> he was talking. It was really funny. They had an interview with him and Denny Hamlin and Bubba Wallace was there. And he said, um, I think Michael Jordan sent a text to Bubba. was like, you know what this means? Like, I don't team with losers. So uh, Bubba was yeah. like, oh, okay. well, I guess he's going to have to win. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, Michael <laughs> Jordan is a savage. So I'm excited to see what he does. I mean, he he does not want to be the stories for him, um, and they show it in the the ESPN documentary. Uh, but I mean, there's stories of him playing cards, golf. Uh, you know, the, his competitiveness. He, it would be playing like cards. Uh, you know, pregame uh, before the NBA, and he would be, uh, you know, betting with 
you know, the staff at the arenas and things like just ultra competitive guy. Um, there's always that Michael Jordan meme of uh, not letting any kids score at a celebrity basketball game. <laughs> I think that's the story is, uh, you know, if the kid could make 10 shots or, or score on them maybe once, you know, he would buy shoes for the entire the entire camp and he didn't let the kids score. So yeah, he crushed his foot, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's, I don't know if he did all that, but <laughs> kicked him in the shin. So that'll be exciting for sure. Um, yeah. And I think that what's also, uh, you know, a good situation for Bubba in a sense that I believe that they're actually using a lot of the equipment that Joe Gibbs racing uses. And I mean, they're one of, you know, the premier, you know, cup series teams, they have, they always have one of the the best, you know, sets of equipment. Um, it seems like the Joe Gibbs cars are always doing good. So uh, I'm interested to see how he does in that car. I mean, he's going to have, he's going to have good stuff. Yeah. Uh, so some more news that we had, uh, and this kind of goes back to last year. I think everybody remembers is Kyle Larson's return. So he was the top free agent 2020. We all know he lost his, uh, he lost his ride last April after uttering a racial slur, which I will not repeat during an iRacing event. This is when COVID had kind of shut everything down and the drivers were doing the iRacing uh, and streaming it on Twitch. And it was awesome. Super fun. But of course, I think the first time he was on there, uh, he uttered that slur and it didn't take long for that to spread. And then, of course, was you know released over the next several months. He kind of disappeared, uh, as I think he should do. It kind of seems to be when you go through something like this, the best thing you could probably do is keep your head down. Uh, mm-hmm. The more you talk, the more trouble you get into. But uh, he had to undergo sensitivity training and listening and learning. Uh, about race and race differences, not the races in NASCAR racing, but races in you know white yeah. African American. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> somehow he kind of failed up though, because then uh, you know he did get back into racing last year. Uh, he dominated on dirt tracks. I did not watch any of the races, but I mean he was constantly. Uh, uh, it looks like winning. Uh, so he had, from what I'm reading here from my notes. The Carolina Midget Showdown was his 46th and final victory of 2020 across four different types of cars. So like or hate the guy, that's pretty impressive. And as I said, kind of failed upwards because, you know, right before the season, Hendrick Motorsports signed Kyle Larson to a multi-year deal. That was in October. So he'll drive the number five. So that rounds up Hendrick Motorsports lineup of Larson, Alex Bowman, and the reigning cup champ, Chase Elliott. Oh, and William Byron. Can't forget about Byron. Can't forget about Byron. So good for Kyle Larson, I guess. I'm not, you know, obviously everybody makes mistakes. I think the punishment was definitely served. I know we were talking about this last year um, in some of the Facebook groups that we were in. But of course, as soon as this all released, you know, people putting up posts of I support Kyle and, you know, they're making a mistake and I'm going to boycott NASCAR. Um, And there was a lot of... I feel like animosity last year because also with the Bubba Wallace news story that came out yeah, and the banning of the lot. Confederate flag, mm-hmm. um, tensions were kind of high. And then, of course, we know all of the, the protest and, and rioting that we had over the summer. So I, I understand why they had to cut him. I, I think that was the right decision. Do I think he deserves a second chance? Yeah, I think so. It could have just been a slip up. I'm not sure. But I can't say I'm rooting for him per se, but he's, you know, I, I do agree with giving him the second chance. Yeah. And, you know, what makes NASCAR so interesting, too, you know, it's not like, you know, and you're on like a, a football team. It's not like you're you're having, you know, a logo on your, your car, you know, for, you know, Target or Capital One or, you know, whatever. NASCAR is so, you know, sponsor based. Where if this if you know the sponsors all pull out and they're not going to sponsor that car, I mean, as a, a team owner like Chip Ganassi, you kind of have to make a decision. It's like, do we maintain our spons- sponsorships or do we get rid of our driver? And really, I think 
probably, you know, Rick Hendrick is probably the only owner I think that has enough clout and enough, um, you know, connections where he was able to bring in Kyle Larson without having too much, too much of an issue. You know, I think if he didn't do it, I think that, you know, maybe someone like Tony Stewart could do it because he's kind of already a polarizing figure as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, Chip Ganassi didn't really have much of a choice. You know, he just kind of, he kind of had to get rid of him and, you know, probably, probably rightfully so, you know, you have to, you know, you, you can say what you want, but you also have to, uh, you know, maintain, you know, that you're, you're part of a, a business and part of a company, even when you're off the track doing iRacing events. So yeah, he, he kind of, he kind of just had a, he kind of had a eat he, one he had there. No choice. So. Yeah, he, yeah. He had no choice. And you know, if he did all the right things and he did what he was supposed to do, which it seems like he did, uh, you know, I, again, I'm okay with the decision to bring him back. Of course, you know, we, you know, we are Hendrick Motorsports, uh, fans, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I know you like, uh, William Byron. I, you know, I've, kind of root for Alex Bowman. So it'll be something that we both pay attention of a lot and are just aware of, you know, kind of how he's doing this year. So it'll be something interesting again to keep an eye on. But uh, you know, biggest free agent and he does get himself a team. Yeah. Yeah. The fame number five, a Hendrix original number. Next we'll go into COVID protocol. So COVID uh coming up on a year, I guess at this point in March, uh, to when everything got shut down. Um, but COVID protocols are going to be again uh here with the 2021 season, as, as we all kind of knew, um, things as they are, a lot of the, the country is still somewhat shut down, if not fully reopened, um, and still has, uh, again, guidelines have not been lifted in most places. Um, one of the changes was the Auto Club Speedway in California that's been canceled due to the ongoing pandemic. I know California's uh, been very bad recently. Um, their numbers have been pretty high, and I, I, I don't know if they still have – they didn't even have dining up until a couple – I don't even know they have it now, but I know as of you know a week or two ago, that was still shut down. So that's going to be replaced by – race weekend on the Daytona road course, you know, a majority of the NASCAR national races last season were held without any on track pre-race sessions as well. And, uh, following last year's racing Paul's when it came back, only one race had qualifying in the Coca-Cola 600. So it looks like it's going to be a lot of the same this season as well. I, I kind of have a list here. There's looks like there's going to be eight cup series events for the upcoming season, a mix of high profile races and events and new venues where they will have practice and qualifying. And that's the Daytona 500, which is February 14th, March 28th at Bristol, uh, May 23rd, Circuit of the Americas, May 30th, Coca-Cola 600, Charlotte, June 20th, Nashville Super Speedway, July 4th, Road America, August 15th, Indianapolis, and November 7th at Phoenix. So, you know, I would say if I were to have any prediction, it would probably be that, you know, the the veterans, I don't know how much of a difference that's that's going to make for them, but any of these newer guys or rookies, geez, you know, how difficult that's going to be for the rookie season. Most sports like, you know, the NBA and the NFL uh, obviously did not have preseasons or they had very shortened preseasons or off seasons. Um, and they're not, you know, driving a car hundreds of miles around a track. They may have, you know, never had that same kind of power. I mean, there's so much timing and, and that goes into this and you really don't know how your car is going to drive or react until you start running around that so you know i, yeah. I, I would think that the veterans are going to would at least have the best opportunity the guys that have been here you know like the kevin harvick's joey logano's the kyle bush's um but i guess we'll see yeah interestingly enough i remember last year one of the the big storylines was that part of the reason why kyle bush was struggling so much was because he kind of needed practice to get right so for, I guess, his instance, I mean, I think it's going to just be driver to driver. Not having that time on that track, you know, especially with like the the different setups that they take to the track, it's it's tough. I mean, because I mean, the car 
can sometimes drive differently from, I guess, year to year. And the track conditions, you know, also can change too when you're not having those that practice to kind of lay that rubber down throughout the week. Of course, if it rains, like it usually does anyway, I mean, <laughs> it's going to get washed away anyway. Um, uh. But yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of a, a big deal, you know, because the the track's grip changes based on, you know, the the conditions of that track. So, I mean, if they don't get a chance to go out there, I mean, it's, you know, it can have, you know, negative effects or I guess maybe positive effects. But I'm pretty sure the more rubber that's down, the more grip the track's going to have. So the less the cars are on there, it's, you know, not ideal. You know, to, to shrink it down, think about like when you get a new car or like if you drive a car other than your your own that you're used to driving, how like otherworldly it feels, right? Like you know, it's it's the same thing, you know, you're driving a car, but how how different of a feel that is. And I know that's really, really shrinking it down, but just to show how much of an impact that, that has for these guys who are, you know, they are the best drivers in the world, but you know, how big of an impact that would be, you know, just for you getting in another car. These guys now have to go here and race hundreds of miles an hour with no practice. Um, no qualifying. Uh, it's it's going to be tough. And, you know, like you said, uh, you guys need laps to get into it. So maybe expect some sloppier races, maybe more cautions. Um, I, it'll be interesting. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it, it definitely will. Um, there is something kind of intriguing about not having practices just because I feel like it kind of does in some ways. It, in some ways, I guess it kind of would, you know, tilt the, the field a little bit. You know, if you have more experience, you're going to do better. If you don't have that much experience, you won't. But it's, I don't know, it, it just seems like it's really interesting, especially because I guess qualifying is randomized. Is that how they do that? that that's kind of something that's kind of confused me. Yeah, so they have a, a formula and it's based off of the previous race. There's uh, there's a lot of metrics that go into that. And, uh, you know, I, I'd have to look it up and, and actually see, but there is a, a formula and it's based off of uh, the previous race. Um, you know, which we'll go into kind of who finished uh, at Daytona and how that impacted the following race, uh, you know, pole positions and such. But yeah, yeah. it's it's a big change. It, it's it's a big change. I'm glad that we have it. I mean, obviously, that's better than nothing. And I'm sure most of the drivers feel that way. You know, at the end of the day, they probably have the mentality of they want to compete. And again, I, I'm sure to get to this level, you have to think that you're the best anyway. And, you know, any obstacles you, you, know, you might have, you're going to be able to, to navigate. And, um, yeah. but it is different. And, uh, again, you know, I, I, am looking for the veterans, I guess this year to, to really step it up. And, you know, the, the rookies, I think will be even more interesting to watch this year without any of that than, than what we're used to. Yeah. It's, just, it's interesting because like, you know, you think back at like, you know, the older, you know, early two thousands and all that, you know, a driver like Ryan Newman, who was super good at qualifying and that kind of set the tone for a lot of his races when he used to, you know, rattle off the wins. You know, we're not really able to see that now because, you know, there's not someone that's going to be on the pole a whole bunch of different times. So it's kind of like an element of the race that is kind of subtracted in a way, which, you know, that does kind of suck. So speaking about COVID, um, COVID, it's impacted uh, more than just the race schedule, but also the next gen car. Um, so that's right. There yeah. Is some, some breaking new, well, not really breaking, I guess at this point, but some off season news, uh, Chevy Ford and Toyota have had their designs for the next gen car approved car will return to the track March 16th and 17th at Richmond raceway. Uh, the car was initially slated for competition debut this season, but again, because of COVID-19 has pushed that schedule back. So I don't know if you've seen you, you can go on like Twitter and you can find videos of it and you know, they leak, uh, you know, kind of some of the differences, um, I guess from the old car to the new car, I've seen kind of mixed results. I see a crowd of that does not want any change, which always seems to kind of happen with NASCAR. Anytime they make a change, there's always kind of like that, that crowd that does not want to, uh, 
they just they they don't want change. That's that's all you can really say. And then there's a new crowd where it's well, you know, if this brings better racing, better competing, I'm all for it. Um, change can be good. This seems to be a mixed bag. I mean, you go over there. I I, I was reading somebody was complaining about the noise of the car, which I don't. Oh man. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> How do you do that? <laughs> they said the car sounds weird. It doesn't sound heavy, you know, because these cars are, I, I don't know. That along with the racing uh, tires as well, right? Because we're going to a single lug. Uh, yeah. And I know there's a lot of backlash with that as well. Oh, this will kill pit teams. This will, you know, you lose the separation from the good ones to the bad ones. And even then, I remember them bringing up stats of, well, it, it, like it really doesn't make that much of a difference time-wise. Um, so yeah. we'll see. But uh, that's something to keep an eye on. So the P3 prototype, which is the car, is going to be used uh, entire testing at Richmond, Darlington Raceway, Texas Motor Speedway, and Bristol Motor Speedway this year. So again, something to keep an eye out for. Man, how interesting would it be if they did the same thing with this next-gen car that they did with like the uh, car tomorrow, where it's like half the races were with you know the the old model and half the races were with the new model? Can you imagine if they did something like that again? Uh, I, you know, I I wonder if they would ever go back to that after how that you know it went the first time. I, I don't know what the schedule is going to look like with COVID. I, I can't. Did the drivers were they for that? Were they against that when they did that? Uh, I think that the car tomorrow kind of drove like a like a dump truck. Whereas the other car, I mean, the other car had pretty good chassis, and I think people were really happy with the other car and how it drove. Um, and the car tomorrow, it was just so vastly different. It was such a a bulkier car. Um, it just didn't drive the same. Like all this, all the all the setups would have to be different. It was just such a different animal to uh, to tame. I don't think they really liked it. I think that's why we haven't really seen anything similar to that again in terms of you know do half the races in this style car, half the races in this. Yeah, I, I honestly don't know. And that goes I don't back think they like, do it again. Yeah, it goes back to like what I said where, you know, how foreign is it when you get in somebody else's car and now you're asking the drivers to drive two totally different driving cars. Uh, we don't really know how this is going to drive. They're doing a lot of testing sessions, it looks like, for data. Uh, again, you can kind of go on Twitter and, and search P3 prototype or even just NASCAR next gen car and it'll bring up a bunch of videos. But, you know, you can kind of see them. There's one where they're they're racing side by side, you know, gathering data and things like that. So yeah, I don't know what the original schedule, uh, you know, how 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 much COVID impacted that. You know, they had I know they were gonna roll the car out this year, but in what know, way? To, exactly, in what way. So we won't really know until next year. But uh again, something to to see at least in March we'll get maybe uh we'll get some some eyes on it on on TV. Um and kind of see what it's looking like so pretty exciting yeah yeah and i did hear that that car is actually a little bit more difficult to drive it's less forgiving there's some i think william byron actually crashed his when he was testing it out so so you know do you remember like you know back i guess in the early and even i guess mid 2000s you know how, how many non-contact spinouts we would get with the older cars they had how, how yeah you know it would happen in qualifying uh, you know, you would see the car just spin with nobody touching it. And I remember there's, you know, you would always see kind of like the back end, like kind of slide. I mean, you really had to drive mm -hmm. those cars. And it was, it was difficult. And now I feel like you don't get as much of that, not saying it's easier now, but I would like them to incorporate some of that skill back in, you know, where you really have to, you know, you have to have full control over the car. And I think that that just ups the skill gap, you know, it really separates the the great drivers from the good drivers yeah yeah and i heard that there's a good chance that because with the current cars they have right now it's kind of hard to i believe pull away from each other like the the draft kind of keeps everyone kind of close um where you know back in you know 2004 or you know 2003 
when they, you know, had those, you know, really, I think the best chassis that they had, you know, is, or I guess aero package, I guess that's what they consider it. Um, it was very easy to kind of do that, you know? So if you had a fast car, I mean, you're, you're going to be, you're going to be up there. It, it seems like it's going to maybe go back to something more similar to that, which would be kind of neat. And I wonder how much of that is NASCAR wanting to keep the races close? You know, if I'm thinking like if I'm trying to keep the viewers in and, you know, NASCAR, while, you know, you mentioned it at the start, uh, isn't quite as popular as it was uh, and is looking for new fans. You know, if you tune in and you see that, you know, Jeff Gordon is 30 seconds ahead, you know, are you going to probably continue to watch the race? I mean, there's a lot of that yes. joking now. <laughs> <laughs> I would. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I read a lot of that now. You know, this, that's the issue with the stage races. As I'm, you know, reading the NASCAR Reddit threads and things, you know, a lot of people dislike the stages because it's like, okay, well, let me know when, you know, the final stage starts, you know, uh, or, you know, because a lot of the races now at this point, nothing really happens until the very end. So uh, it's a lot of close racing, but, you know, it's the race isn't decided. So I I don't know. I, you know, I I don't know what they'll do, um, but I guess we'll. We'll see how the, the season goes. As we talk about Daytona, we'll kind of see a little bit about, uh, we'll talk about that a little bit. So I guess we can kind of get into the recap and discussion. I got some uh, notes here of some, I guess, storylines heading in. Obviously, the biggest one, I think, is Denny Hamlin is looking for his three-peat. He was yep. heavily, heavily favor- favored in this race. Uh, Daytona is always a race where there really isn't an underdog per se. Anybody really has a chance to win, and we kind of saw that. Uh, Chase Elliott was 10 to one. Joey Logano was 10 to one. Larson was 10 to one. Uh, McDowell, who I will mention was a hundred to one. And, uh, you know, we'll, we all know how that ended up, but <laughs> <laughs> just to show you, uh, you know, Daytona, those super speedways are always the races where anybody can really win. And, you know, I kind of wrote down some notes here, um, that I guess we can just kind of review and, and, uh, a summary of the race, if you will. So, um, we started off with a lot of action early. So lap 14, a 16 car pileup. They were racing side by side um, pretty early. There was uh, um, nobody really breaking away. And uh, it looked like Bell bumped Almirola in the front of the field. So this caused 16 car pileup <laughs> right off the bat and took out a lot of drivers that... <laughs> Might have had a chance. I mean, so I'll read the names here. (laughs) So all of these drivers were out. You know, Ryan Newman, Eric Jones, Daniel Suarez, Alex Bowman, right off the bat. Uh, These cars were heavily, heavily damaged. William Byron, Kurt Busch, Tyler Reddick, (laughs) Ryan Blaney, Chris Buescher, David Reagan, Jamie McMurray, and Matt DiMedetto. So right there, I mean, geez, you have a quarter of the field out, 14 (laughs) laps in. Not great. And <laughs> unfortunately for them was shortly after, shortly after we got a six hour rain delay. So there was heavy rain and lightning. And we talk about this every single time there's a rain delay that that new Fox deal to where now these races start later and later in the day. And it just seems like we go through this every single year. Start them at one o'clock. <laughs> I, I, I don't get it. You know, I, I so the biggest, I guess, reply to that has been, OK, well, we wouldn't have gotten the full 500 or, you know, the full 500 race. Um, if we start them at one, uh, because per NASCAR, you know, rules that they run a certain amount and it would have hit that in this last race, they would have ended the race and we wouldn't have got the full one, but uh, you know, started at 12, started at noon, I, you know, because six hours go by, how much of your fan base stops watching again, those, those, you know, new viewers that are there to check out Jordan's team and, and see how that is. They're checked out at that point. They're not going to wait around six hours. And most people don't, right? Like you, you yeah. find something else to do. The race did wind up resuming. 
unfortunately for you know everybody who was affected by that crash uh per the the red flag you know they couldn't do any type of uh repairs or they could look at the car pretty much but they really couldn't start working on the cars until uh you know they called off the the rain delay and the total time i think was like four hours i'm sorry five hours and 40 minutes i think so the race picked back up um i have the stage winners here stage one and two both went to Denny Hamlin. Pretty expected. Again, he was heavily favorited. When it picked back up, it seems like it seemed like they ran a lot of single file, which uh, again was reading um, you know the race threads, and that's where it seemed like a lot of people checked out. It's not as exciting, but again, when you have you know a twenty car pileup right at the get go you're going to go in single file, and they talked about that a little bit on Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s podcast. Is yeah, as far as you know. You, it's a lose lose either way. You know, you can race hard and again eliminate yourself, or you race single file and get yourself to the end. You know, you, it's nobody's going to be happy with either one, but they they took the safe route and can't say I blamed them after that huge wreck right on you know basically the first ten minutes of the race. It felt like yeah, it's pretty funny because um, I think last year Dale and Art Jr. was saying like how they just need to like chop the spoilers off of the cars because they're like they're so huge. And I've been like, like, I think probably around this time last year, like I was like parroting that on, um, like Facebook posts and people were getting so mad. (laughs) (laughs) They can't see. I mean, they can't see anything in front of them with it really, except the car in front. Yeah. And it just causes such like a, a big, I guess, like draft window where cars are just, you know, suck to each other because those spoilers are just so huge. But I guess if you get rid of the spoilers, it reduces that, um, I don't know if, if this is right or not. I'm just I'm just guessing. Um, but I'm assuming it, it would make it a little bit more difficult to draft, and it would also um, you know make the cars a lot less stable. If you just took the entire spo- if you took the entire uh, spoiler off, the, you're probably going to be spinning out a lot. So I think he's kind of just over over exaggerating when he's saying that. But I think it's still funny. <laughs> <laughs> just take it off yeah well he did he did mention that funny enough in his podcast as well that the spoiler mm. is a problem so again i don't know if there's a, a solution for that you know that they can go with where it's the best of both worlds but i would imagine you eliminate one thing you're going to cause an issue somewhere else mm. um but again there wasn't you know a lot to speak of uh, a lot of Den- denny hamlin running up front um chase elliott up there uh, a lot of single file you know, we did get another crash at the final lap. So this one was poor Brad Kozlowski uh, got into it with Logano. Um, wrecked, again, a lot of the field on the very final lap going into the final turn. I think it was going into turn three. Um, yeah. And again, a lot of this comes to I, a lot of the um, criticism I heard from this was, you know, these drivers waiting until the last lap to make a move. And, you know, you know, going into the end of the race, you don't necessarily want to be up front. But, you know, how early do you try to make that move? This has kind of seemed like what happened is, you know, Brad didn't leave himself enough time to make it. um, And the aggressiveness just kind of, uh, you know, forced his hand. And again, Logano was very upset about it. Of course, Brad was too. Uh, Brad was, I I was watching the post, the post race. They were talking to him and, you know, said, I can't, I can't drive everybody else's car. You know, I can only worry about myself. I feel like I did the right thing, but that's when we saw Michael McDowell, hundred to one odds, you know, take the lead. He led five seconds of the, of the race and wound up being the race winner. That was the only thing he led. And, um, depending on when they call that caution too, uh, chase did catch him. So he did seem like they called it, I guess at the right time. I don't know. I mean, there was criticism with the yellow flag as well when they got called. You know, do you at that point let Chase and McDowell finish it out or do you call the yellow? And I mean, they called it. And it seems to be 
if it's a question of if it's always teetering, it kind of seems like NASCAR goes the way of throwing the yellow flag. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. But yeah, uh, Michael McDowell wins Daytona 500, leading a whole five seconds. So uh, I think the rain delay, again, really, really hurt uh, the Daytona experience. We didn't get a whole ton, uh, you know, between that six hours. And I just think a lot of we lost a, a lot of viewers that NASCAR kind of needs. And it, it made for the rest of the race to be relatively boring, uh, again, with all of that single file. But like we said, what are you going to do? Yeah, I mean, that's just kind of how the cars are. I mean, we've seen so many different, you know, Daytona races, you know, back with like the, you know, the COT. It's like it was all just two car tandems. It wasn't really a big line of cars like how it is now. You know, now it's like, you know, a couple of cars try to pull out. I mean, they just don't have enough power to to generate to compete with that big, long line. It's it's really interesting. Like, I was curious to see if, um you know, if people were going to break away in like, you know, different tandems at there at the end and just kind of separate from that line. It didn't really work out that like that, you know, that way. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just kind of how the cars are. I mean, it's, it's different. It's going to be different every time. It'll be different with the new car when it comes out. It's just a a different, a different race every year. Yeah. And our, our top 10 was rounded out. So again, we said Michael McDowell takes the lead with, (laughs) Leads literally five seconds of the race, but he does finish number one. <laughs> Chase Elliott, number two. Dylan, Austin Dylan, number three. Kevin Harvick, four. Denny Hamlin, number five. And that rounds out the top five. So, uh, you know, Denny was right up there. Uh, again, Harvick, you're you, you most likely going to see the veterans up front there. Chase Elliott seems to continue, uh, you know, his dominance from last year. Uh, the road course being the second race, I'm sure uh, he's, again, going to uh, have a lot of success there. I'm sure if anybody's happy about the added road courses this year it's him he'll be going for what is it it's it's been two years since he's lost a road course yeah yeah i think he's going for his sixth in a row sixth in a row jesus so yeah and um, so just for context the i believe the leader the nascar all-time leader in road course wins is jeff gordon at nine um so and i mean he only had two shots per year so just imagine chase elliott as young as he is with all the different road courses we have now um, he's gonna he's gonna pass that mark. He might pass it this year, <laughs> which is wild. Yeah, we'll have to see where uh, the qualifying has everybody uh, starting for next race. Again, that's the race number two is uh, what is it February? That is twenty first. That'll be the Daytona Road Course. Uh, so should be interesting. We'll have some more information on that as we get towards the end of the week. Uh, yeah. So with that, again, I'm your host Dakota. This is my co-host Calvin. Thank you so much for tuning in. See ya.